Hello there and welcome to episode 13 of the Night Gallery podcast. My name's Chris Brown and uh, today we're talking about a short episode. It's the uh, fifth story from episode five. It's called Pamela's Voice. Uh, it's uh, Rod Serling written and directed by uh, Richard Benedict uh, and features, it's just a two-hander. It's only like nine minutes long. It features a character called Pamela and uh, played by uh, Phyllis Diller and uh, a, a man called Jonathan, called, played by John Aston. Um, and he, you'll, you'll recognise Aston straight away. He's uh, Gomez Adams in the Adams family, uh, the old TV show. Um, anyway, uh, we'll keep this story short because this episode short because it's it's not very long story. Um, anyway, this guy called Jonathan, who's pleased with himself. He's uh, his wife's dead, and. Um, she can't drive mad anymore with her her voice and her constant nagging. She's quite he saw her as quite a spiteful woman. Um, so we're in a um, again a spooky kind of um, uh, mansiony kind of home, roaring fires and all that kind of thing, oak, lots of leather. Um, but suddenly, in his um, he seems very pleased with himself that she, she's dead, but. He sees uh, Phyllis, Phyllis, um, Pamela, who's played by Phyllis, at the uh, and hears her voice and realizes that she's actually still alive. Now, first, he's Jonathan is quite uh, quite unhappy about that. I mean, he's initially shocked, obviously, because he's you know he's talking to his dead wife, and then you know he starts actually starts to gloat and admit that he killed her by pushing her down the stairs because of. Um, her tongue and her voice and her spitefulness but you know now it's time for her to shut up as the uh, the um the, well she'll be uh, her body will be taken away and to be about to be buried but um pamela points out that um she's been actually been dead for months and it isn't her in the casket but jonathan apparently he'd been living the high life after uh, she died and um had overstretched himself somewhat and it led to his death it's at that, you know, he's obviously very shocked. But it's at that point that she starts explaining how the afterlife works. And um, that she is in heaven. And as somebody who likes to communicate, she likes to uh, talk and talk and talk. Her heaven is just to do that, to continually communicate for the rest of eternity, saying exactly what she thinks on a range of topics. Unfortunately for Jonathan, as a, as a wife killer, he's in hell. And his rest of his eternity will be spent listening to her go on and on and on as she abuse, basically just hurls abuse at him for killing him um for, for killing her um for me it's um I, you know in earlier episodes uh, like the housekeeper I've criticised the fact that they tend to be stories that take ages to get they, they have like lots of build up and explanation tightly packed in and then they kind of rush to the uh, to the resolution, and it all seems a bit fitted into. They can get into, in, you know, can get in under ten minutes. Uh, in this case, I don't think that's true. I think it's a really good way of doing that kind of shorter story version, particularly in the script. Anyway, it is. Um, I would say it's an example of a really great script from Salem, uh, and not particularly good execution from Richard Benedict. Um, I think it's all a bit heavy-handed initially to start with um, 
you know, you hear organ music, but there's no one at the organ, and it's, you know, it's just, it's, it's, it's just shy of thunder and lightning to kind of highlight the fact that this is a ghost story. Um, also, so, I mean, the, the actual setting and that kind of thing is actually very, very strong, very heavy-handed, but the actual acting was actually slightly toned down. Um, Phyllis Stiller was told that, um, she, you know, she shouldn't have quite so much of a, a witch's cackle, and it's in the fact the story's called Pamela's Voice, and it's all about a woman who who is um, has a very, you know, a very strong set. I mean, you've got to believe that her droning on her ear is, it would be considered a hell for somebody. And it, she, that's actually, you know, that element to it's actually toned down. Um, from a production point of view, I would say before we continue, that it was a bit of a mare for the director. He ran over, which in night gallery terms, as we've discussed before with Spielberg, is just, you know, that's the cardinal sin for any director. Also, Laird was unhappy with the way Jack Laird, the executive producer, who kind of oversaw everything, uh, was unhappy with the way the it was looking. It looked low energy, to the point that when they went back in to get it done, they had to re-loop the, um, all the nine minutes worth of footage to uh, try and inject some of that energy which was in Serling's original script. Um, so sadly, I would say it's all a bit one note, really, in truth. Um, it's, you know, John Aston, who's a very fun, good good direct, good actor choice for this kind of role because he's very, you know, he's very um, bouncy and bubbly and chatty and he's um, an unusual character. He's the kind of guy you could imagine would push somebody down the stairs but would also, um, you know, but, you know, could be... Uh, that can kind of do this kind of slightly comedic kind of thing as well. Obviously, there's elements of sinister about him, but ultimately he looks a bit soft, a bit of a soft lad, and I think that really suits. Um, but in fairness to him, and this might be because it, a lot of it was looped, he really struggles with some of the lines to try and fit them in. He's like, um, he, he kind of, like there are points when, I mean, obviously Salem, because it's a two-hander, it, you know, Salem's given them like lots of really flowery language to play with, and, um, and he get struggles to get his words out at points. Um, I'd say, like from a direction point of view, and the decisions that were made. I mean, with that kind of stuff, you can either go off the wall mental, like uh, just have two people just being absolutely beastly at each other, which possibly would have been the more fun option. Or you kind of go very, very cool and chilled, and you know, quite cackly. It's this kind. Of, it, 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 obviously, you know, you probably want actors who are a little bit better than that. I mean, I'm assuming that, you know, Aston and, and Dilla, well, certainly Phyllis Dilla was, was basically saying, I want to do this, you know, like my cackle should be, my laugh should be like a real witch's cackle kind of stuff. And I think that would have been a good way to go about it. Um, but it had, it just didn't work in this occasion. Um, that said, that said, I mean, I said last week that I enjoy, you know, I'll give it a defense of this episode and I will do. It's because the script is ace. It's really good. It's it's a tight nine minutes, nine minutes it's meant to, to fill, but you've got two people who are, you know, the, the, it's like a sparring match of a, of a, of a piece, really. The, 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 you know, you don't know who's got the upper hand, the kind of the power between the couple ebbs and flows between both of them. You've got, um, you've got Jonathan played by Aston, who, you know, initially you think is, you know, is the bad, well, he is the bad guy, he's done a terrible thing, it's blatantly obviously he's not a particularly nice man, but the power jumps between him and it goes to 
uh, Pamela quite a lot. And in the end, I mean, I think that when, because it's quite quick, I mean, you know, if you'd actually sat down and thought about it, what was coming would probably be quite obvious. But because it zips along at a good pace and it isn't overly packed with story, it's, it's you know, it's nice, it's nice, got a nice rhythm to it. That um, when you do find out the, what's happening, it's not such a, a massive, you know, I mean, you're not too shocked by it or, you know, it, it, get, it catches you in a words, but you, you, you go with it. You definitely go with it. It's um, apparently it was one of Serlin's favourite scripts from the first season, and I can understand why. It, it, it's it's very it's very character driven. It tells its story. It's economical, but it also contains a lot of his trademark styly dialogue in terms of being quite um, quite illustrative. Uh, I was going to say flowery, but flowery is a bit harsh. You know, quite uh, unusual at certain points. It's really. I mean, I, let, I mean, that, that, you know, you say what you want about the way it's directed, and it, it, it does clang quite a bit. It is still, at the same time, a really cool, um, really, really cool script and a really nice concept for that kind of thing. It leads onto another, you know, and it leads onto three very different stories in this case, which is uh, which is really good for an episode for a night gallery episode. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I really like it. Um, I know in. Um, I was flicking through uh, After Hours book and uh, they gave it one and a half stars and I'm like, oh man, this is nowhere near as bad as Nature of the Enemy and they gave Nature of the Enemy one and a half. I mean, <laughs> it's just like, it's just in a different league to that. Um, it's just really good fun. I mean, but at the same time, yeah, it is, it is, it does have its problems. Um, and I think, I think the director did think he was kind of make, you know, if you fill it with kind of this ghost story kind of stuff, then it would, fit a certain mood, particularly night gallery style mood, because a lot of that that early, you know, a lot of those kind of stories are in their early doors. I mean, we talk, we were talking about um, clean kills, which is a similar kind of thing. It came out a similar kind of thing in the end, anyway. That kind of you know, New England mansion kind of kind of vibe to it. Um, but I mean, I just wish that all of the shorter episodes had this kind of that kind of script, really. To be honest with you. This is just stories. I mean, that they had that level of script writing. Sometimes they can be quite variable. I mean, they're nowhere near as bad as the one and two minute like comedic vinaigrettes which pop up in season two. I mean, when we get to them, flipping heck, and they're not well. These are going to be short episodes then, anyway. But <laughs> when we get to that stage with those kind of stories, um, anyway, um, we'll leave it at that for um, for Pamela's voice. Uh, the next episode is going to be on Lone Survivor which is an interesting idea um, executed in well we'll get to it next week um, I personally think again it's a good story but heavily handed direction um, but I'll be interested to see what you think um, if you want to get hold of me you could easiest way is on Twitter it's at orange underscore monkey um, if you want to email me you can do at the night uh, at night gallery at the twilightzonepodcast.com uh, if you want to leave any feedback at all that'd be great or you can go to the website uh, the uh, twilightzonepodcast.com um, leave a message on the comments field um, say what you think if you disagree or agree uh, I said last week that uh, my opinions on making laugh some people have disagreed with them which is cool it's really good that people are getting involved and it's really good that you know you know my opinions are forming some kind of debate um, but I'll leave it there. I'll keep this one short. Um, if you want to, well, from ne- next week we'll do Lone Survivor, which is another Rod Serling script, and uh, I speak you. Th- I'll speak to you then for Lone Survivor. <laughs>